Good morning. This is Rudy Reyes on the Root Dog Show. I have the special guest of special guests. And if you don't know who this guy is, by the time we're done talking, you are missing out on this fantastic, probably once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to get to know who the great Mike Ditka is. Mr. Ditka, thank you so much for joining me on the show today. I appreciate your time. Hey, don't give him the whole load. Look, take it easy. Don't give him the whole load in the beginning. <laughs> okay, then I'll... I'll I'll, I'll keep uh, a little back. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll be a little reserved <laughs> and let people know what's going on and, and how you're doing. Of course, I don't want to keep them too too truncated. I want to give them a little bit here and there. If you guys don't know who my did is, this gentleman is as colored as you're going to find in the NFL landscape. Uh, he's won Rookie of the Year. He's in the College Football Hall of Fame, the Pro Football Hall of Fame, five-time Pro Bowl selection. The, the, the list goes on and on and on. Mr. Ditka was so kind to give me a little bit of his time this morning between swings. Is it a four iron and a six iron? I don't, uh, I don't hit too many four irons. That four <laughs> iron, four irons become a driver. I <laughs> can so, uh, I play golf a lot, but I, I don't play very well, but I enjoy it. Well, hey, that's and, and that's what it's about. Even though you don't play well, you like it. And, of course, you know what? And you know probably better than anybody, it's all about practice that makes perfect. Absolutely. <laughs> and that's what it's all about. So if you if you were, practice a long time, but I'll never be perfect, but that's okay. Yes, exactly, exactly. No one ever is. No one ever will be. But I'll, I'll tell you, when it comes to NFL lore, you seem to be the staple for a lot of guys. And I know there are others – that are out there that that are still there, like, like the great Jim Brown, and always a conversation about how you guys have lasted this long and still in in touch with NFL roots. What is it about still being connected in some manner to the NFL and former players as well as former coaches that you had underneath you that that, that keeps you still in the game but at a distance? Well, you know, I, I, everything that that I've achieved is because of the people I've had in my life. My parents, my coaches, my high school coach, my college coach, uh, my wife. She's she's pointing to herself. Uh, but no, people. I, I had great coaches. I had a great high school coach who who believed in me. And uh, I shouldn't have been a football player. I should have been a baseball player. But end up being pretty good at football because he gave me a, a break and end up getting a lot of scholarship offers. End up going to Pitt. Had a great coach. Great coaches at Pitt. And. Uh, you know, I end up being doing okay. Uh, you know, I I, I I end up being a tight end. They caught twelve passes my senior in college. Um, I end up being a tight end. So I caught sixty some my first year in Pro Bowl. It didn't make any sense because everything I did in college was on defense. So I mean, it, it just shows you uh, somebody saw something that nobody else saw, and it worked out. You know, it it really stands to reason why guys like Lamar Jackson, who exited. Louisville as a Heisman Trophy winner when all these analysts were talking about him being converted to a wide receiver and you know, I, I understand that he has the speed, the capability the foot movement and the mentality to be able to catch the ball as a wide receiver you being a dual sport athlete certainly caught the attention of somebody so you know what, you're better off playing football because of the way you can catch the ball and how you can catch the ball and I personally have watched you play and and of course uh, the Pitt Panthers retired your your jersey number eighty nine some some time ago, but what is it about watching all these guys coming up into the league that others may have probably mis miscued as being uh, having played another another position? 
I don't have an answer for that, but the players today are, listen to me, they're bigger, they're faster, they're stronger. In most cases, they're better. I didn't say they were smarter, but I did say those other things. And, and, and I really believe that. The athlete today is, uh, is much better than we were uh, when we came up. Better training uh, opportunities for them, better strength building opportunities for them. But uh, you, can, you can do a lot of things to the body, but you can't change the heart or the brain. So, you know, if you, either you have it in your head or you don't, or you have it in your heart or you don't. So that's the big difference I see. You know, I, I look at the Heisman Trophy. Um, obviously, that, that that's going on today. They're going to be handing it out to a, to to Joe Burrow, maybe Jalen Hurts, maybe Chase Young. Uh, what what is your thought about the Heisman process? Are they missing any certain components that you feel needs to be a part of what it takes to be a Heisman Trophy winner nowadays? Well, there's so many good athletes out there now. There's so many guys that could be up for that trophy. I mean, I can remember when I was young, uh, the Heisman Trophy was really something special. I remember when guys won it when I was a kid and in high school and, and college. Uh, that was really something special. I, I, I just think athletes are better today than they ever were. And I think they're, they're, uh, they're, 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 there's a lot of guys that uh, I, I think if they were put in the right position on the right stage uh, with the right team, they go to have a chance to win the Heisman Trophy. I really believe that. Because, I mean, it's, it's amazing to me. The talent level is so much better than it was when I was young. You know, that actually stands stands to reason because a lot of players who are dubbed to play this position or that position exiting college who have clearly and exuded their capabilities of getting the job done in various ways. And I just don't mean on the football field. And I think a lot of this is missed and a lot of this is skewed to suggest that just because these guys are good in the football field means that they're a Heisman Trophy candidate. I don't think that that should elude and automatically give them that right to be a Heisman Trophy winner. I think it has to do... Uh, with with all different aspects from what you do off the field, the things you commute, you communicate to within your locker room, all, all the positive things, and even in losses, to be able to say, you know what, you lost. Well, that's that's horrible, but we're we're going to get it the next time. Let's just right the ship and move on. And what they do in the community as well. Could there be more dynamics in in regards to what these guys? can do to help solidify and give people the best possible feeling when they're receiving accolades such as a Heisman Trophy? Well, yeah, the Heisman Trophy is given because of the talent on the football field. I think the most important quality that these young athletes have, the ones that have great character, the ones that know right from wrong, that do right from wrong, that practice doing the right things, that give and help other people, I think that's what really counts. Uh, I, listen, I admire the athletic talent of these young kids very much, but uh, there's more to it than that. You got to give back to the game. You can't. You just can't take from the game. You got to give back. You got to give back by your actions on and off the field and in society. And if you do that, then you're going to be okay. You know, speaking of being okay, there are a lot of players nowadays who are not okay, and it's almost as if they had done it to themselves. I, I know you hear about it, Coach, from all different types of people, the things that happened to Janoris Jenkins of the Giants were released because he called a fan a retard on social media. And then you have guys like Antonio Brown who continued to say one thing to the NFL, and then all of a sudden it's something else to everybody else. And then he goes back on that type of apology. It's like saying, I'm sorry, but... In the days of social media, you know you know as well as I do, they didn't have that back then. How has that changed the NFL landscape, and do players need to say less? 
Well, you got to be careful what you say and where you say it and who you say it to. I mean, there's no question about that. Uh, you know, Antonio Brown made a mistake. You know, he's a, he has a talent. He made a mistake. You know, football doesn't owe Antonio Brown anything. I mean, I mean, uh, you know, he, he should be grateful that he got to play the game and make the kind of money he made. I mean, you got to understand that football is going to go on no matter if, if I'm in it or somebody else is in it or you're not in it. It doesn't matter. It's going to continue. It's a great sport. And the, the guys who are part of it and, uh, uh, you know, do well in it, God bless them. I mean, I'm happy for them. Uh, you know, it doesn't last forever. The risk of injury is terrific, but you know, that's part of life. I mean, you, you play a uh, sport like football, you've got a good chance of getting hurt. There's no question about it. Yeah. I, I could not agree more. I think less is more in, in today's social media landscape for players like in Antonio Brown. And you're talking about how, how it's such a short time that you're able to play this game. And when you're able to play in a very short time time span, you have to make the most of it by, by going about doing things the right way. You, you mentioned going giving back to the game. I think that needs to be an ongoing process throughout your time. And I think that has a lot to do with why the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award is so important uh, in today's NFL landscape, because now it sets a precedent in regards to, you know, what, what type of criteria these players are held to, right? Com- uh, they're they're contributing in their community. They're they're contributing to their sideline, their locker room, their coaches, their children, and, and everything else. So so as, as much as one may have to do with the other or tied in with the other, um, I, I I think that the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award is given to the one who has done the most humanly possible to give back to the game and those that have came before him in order to put him in, in a position where he's making more money. I mean, you didn't make, you know, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine million dollars in your first year. Nowadays, the money's a little obscene, to be quite honest with you. Um, when, when you retired after 72, you immediately were approached by the great Cowboys head coach, Tom Landry. You spent nine seasons as an assistant coach with the Cowboys you made the playoff eight playoffs eight times. You won six division titles, three NFC championships, and a Super Bowl win in '77. What was it like to work under Tom Landry? How did you how did you find yourself fitting in this system so well that you're able to assist his team to receive all these accolades in '77? Oh, he was the greatest man I've ever met. Really, uh, in football, he. Uh... He uh, saved my career, took me when I was washed up, and uh, and gave me a chance. And uh, I got in the best shape of my life, went to down in Dallas, and got to play for a couple of years. And uh, it was great. When I got to play with him, when I got done, I had been in the nightclub business with some people. And he gave me a, a chance to be a coach. And it's something I really had never thought of doing, but I'm glad I did it. So it all worked out really good. I mean, but Tom Landry's my all-time hero. He uh picked up the pieces when the pieces were everywhere so he helped me out a lot <laughs> yeah I, I i can tell you're two-time nfl coach of the year once in 85 and once in 88 so i'm i'm pretty sure that the things that you had picked up from tom landry uh you adapted to your own and really made you were you were a player's coach i mean you really understood the game from aspects and dimensions that people can only wish and and, and dream of do you give any any Thoughts in regards to other players? I'll give you an example. Heinz Ward is the, high, uh, the wide receiver coach for, for the New York Jets. Of course, the Jets aren't doing very good. They're 5-9. and nine, But what do you say to those guys who are former players trying to get into the coaching circuit? Is it something that you would 
encourage them to do on a regular basis? Well, you know, most coaches are former players. Let's face it. I mean, most all of them are. I mean, it's very seldom you find a guy go up and be a head coach who didn't play the game. Now, there are some. There's no question about it. But most of them are former players. And you have to understand what you have to put into the game uh, to understand what you're going to try to get out of the game. It takes a lot. The work, the conditioning, the practice, uh, the, the, the study. There's a lot of things that go into it. It's just not, well, I'm going to go out and catch five passes today. No, you're not. You're going to have to learn to run the route, route right. You're going to have to be in timing with your quarterback. There's a lot of things that have to happen. It just doesn't happen by accident. And coaching is a big part of it, but execution by the players are, are, is a bigger part of it because you can coach anything you want to on paper, but if the players can't execute it, it doesn't matter. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Again, those those intrinsic components that, that allow for you to understand and recognize coverages recognize defensive sets you know if there's a a, a fire blitz you know if there's any type of um, exotic play calling or play yeah. styles on the field as a former player you can actually sniff that stuff out and call it a day and you had probably one of the most ferocious defenses in the 85 bears we're going to talk about that in a minute um but we're going to we're going to start at the beginning neil armstrong which was fire who was fired in 81 George Hallis, the great George Hallis, contacted you, and he had offered you prior years and saying, look, you know, why don't you come be my head coach uh, for the 82 season? Um, and, of course, you made the playoffs under Armstrong. Um, and, of course, your predecessor, Jack, Jack Pardee, um, had two winning seasons uh, after Hallis retired. When you, were, when you were hired, of course, Mike Singletary had a lot to say about this. Uh, in, in including uh, give me three years and if you walk with me you'll get to the dance how did did, did that statement from Mike Singletary really um, I mean did, did, did what did what did that mean to you well you you hope your players believe in you but it, it, it's more important that uh, they believe in themselves and they believe in if you're if you're trying to put a program in uh, whether it be offense or defense I I didn't have anything to do with Mike uh, on defense. That was all Buddy. Buddy Ryan had a defense that people didn't understand. It's called the Bear defense. They didn't. It was a 46 defense, and therefore, when they didn't understand it, they didn't know how to handle it, and therefore, they couldn't block it. So we you know we were we became 85 Bears. We won because of our defense. We had a great offense. I mean, we had Walter Payton. We led the league in rushing. We led the league in time of possession. But we won because of our defense. I've never. I've never debated that. I've never argued that. It, our defense under Buddy was unbelievable. And people just didn't know how to handle what they called the 46 defense. They thought you had to bunch everybody up and try to block everybody. The opposite is you got to spread people out. The first team that did that was Coach Shula and the Miami Dolphins. They spread us out. Now we got linebackers covering slot receivers. We got mismatches. They beat us. And that's the reason they beat And we became smarter after that. We had to realize that there was, we had to do things different. We couldn't just line up everybody to line seven guys at the line of scrimmage and, and bring most of them. And, and that's basically what we were doing. You know, you guys had a very ferocious defense. I must say there were so many times where I seen uh, it, there was just so many, so many blitzes. The coverages were just spot on. Um, but in your third season, the third season, you went to the NFC Championship game, lost to the eventual Super Bowl winning 49ers. Um, what was it about that January 26th game against the New England Patriots where you basically dismantled them uh, defensively, a 46-10 uh, win in New Orleans? 
Um, what was it about that that regret of not letting Walter Payton score that touchdown, but went to the, the refrigerator to make that run? Well, you know, it, uh, there's no answer. When you're, when you're coaching, you don't think about who's scoring, who's in that. You know, you just hope you're winning. You're doing the right things as a team. I never thought about the individual things. That was a mistake on my part, and it was an oversight, and I shouldn't have made it, but I did because I was more concerned about winning a championship than, than worrying about who scored touchdowns. You know what? You're absolutely right, and I think a, a lot of players, unless you're a pure team player, and I'm talking from the core, from the inside of who you are, if you're not a team player, you have no business being in a team sport. End of story. There's, there, there's, I, there's no question. I, I agree. And, and so in, in 85, you led your Bears, Dub Bears, 15-1 to record. You were named NFL Coach of the Year. And it was, it was so masterful. Bye, buddy Ryan. And yeah, you stated you had an oversight. Everybody does. Not 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 every challenge flag coaches throw in. Of course, nowadays they have you know challenge flags. And back then there was a challenge was more like blowing up the the referee on the sideline saying, "Hey, look, did you look at that play? Did you look at the play? Did you you know?" There's all different types of ways to approach it. But nowadays you have challenge flags. Do you think challenges are are a good thing or bad thing for the league? Nobody's perfect. You can't get them all right. And the officials will miss some things. I think uh, for the most part, they're about 98% right. And I think that's great. I think the officiating in the NFL is outstanding, but everybody is, will miss something. Uh, yeah, I think it has a place in the game as long as you don't take too much time with it. It's pretty evident. If you look at a replay, you can tell if the play, if the call was missed or not, and then get on with the game. You know, Buddy Ryan kind of snapped at you and on, on, on NFL Network 2006. He said that the defensive scheme was not working. What were your thoughts about that? I mean, did you just – I mean, was it all of a sudden an epiphany and say, well, wait a minute, is, is he right? Is he on to something? What was it about that? I don't know what you say. It's what isn't working. I think I couldn't hear you. Well, no, Buddy Ryan went on to, to, to state on in 2006 on the NFL Network that he had stated that the defensive scheme was not working against the Miami Dolphins on that late season Monday night game after you were trailing three touchdowns. Well, it wasn't working. You can't you can't cover Nate Moore with a linebacker in the slot. It's just not going to work. I don't care how good the linebacker is. And he was pretty good, Wilbur Marshall. But you can't cover wide receivers with linebackers. It's not going to work. They're better off playing a zone. But we didn't play very much zone. We played almost all man-to-man. And that, that, that was it. I, what I, people can agree with me or disagree with me. It doesn't matter. But in, th in this case, I'm right. You cannot play that defense against a three or four receiver set. It's impossible. And that's what Miami knew, and that's what Coach Shula knew, and that's why they beat us. Yep. After that, changed a little bit. We, we, we weren't perfect, but we started putting an extra defensive back in there, and it, and it helped out uh, because we could get some coverage out of it that way. But we didn't, you know, the thing that saved us, we didn't need to cover anybody because our pass rush was so good. But when 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 we when we didn't get to the quarterback, then we had to cover, and uh, you know it, it, that's that's what happened. But hey, more more credit to Miami. They did a great job. Coach Schultz did a great job. We lost the game, but I think that loss got us redirected, and we got back on course, and uh, we went on to win the rest of them. Yeah, yeah. Actually, you you did, and and so in in America's game in '85 the second best Super Bowl champions ever. Now that's 
that's debatable. That's that is based on opinion, but I honestly think that when you're when you're talking about being the the best Super Bowl champions ever, I think the only reason why the Dolphins get the first rated is because they went undefeated. That's the only reason. Other than that, <laughs> other than that, uh, that's why you that, that's why th- this win was the second best ever. Now, now, Buddy Ryan left in 86. He left the following season to go uh, coach the, the Philadelphia Eagles. And, and, and of course, you felt a little bit of a stress relieved off your shoulder. What was it about the feeling of elation that allowed for you to do I, I, things listen, differently? I, I don't know where you're getting all this. I felt no elation. I felt no, no relief. Buddy w- was one of our coaches. I like Buddy. Uh, you know, he wanted to be the head coach. I absolutely I was hired to be the head coach, but we couldn't have two head coaches. So there became a little bit of a conflict there because he thought he should have got the job. But I, we, we wouldn't have won without Buddy Ryan's defense and without Buddy. I know that. I've told people that a hundred times. So that the important thing is we won it. This is all, this happened 30, 40 years ago, whatever it was. So it's way in the past, but uh, yeah. people can say what they want to say. Uh, we overcame a lot of things, and we we won. Uh, we we should have been undefeated, but we weren't undefeated because we got we lost to Miami, and they were a better team that day. Yep, and, and you know what? Any given Sunday, and I think that that really plays a part of when when you're looking at the game in of itself and the fact alone that any given Sunday, it doesn't matter what, what the record is the New England Patriots faced off against the New York giants a few years back. And they were, they went 15 and one and lost to the super bowl. So numbers don't necessarily indicate how good you are. It's not how you start. It's how you finish. And right now though, the way, the way that I'm looking at it, you have a lot of hot teams right now, especially between, I mean, you have a bunch of wild cards. I don't know if you're currently watching the game. I'd probably assume that, that you are. Is there is there a favorite team that you have right now that will go on to enter the Super Bowl and win it? You mean right now? Yes, sir. Well, when you look at the most consistent team in the NFL right now are the New England Patriots. I think there's a lot of reasons for that. The quarterback play is one of them. But I think the coach is the main thing in the organization. Uh, the ownership is outstanding, and, and Bill Belichick is as good as the best. When I uh, when I was coaching with the Cowboys, I coached special teams. Bill was coaching special teams with the New York Giants at that time. So I got to know him a little bit. Uh, outstanding coach. Uh, and again, you know, the team they, they put together, uh, they just keep pressure on you. And, and, and you know, he, they're, they're a little bit different than a lot of teams. More of the pressure they put on you is with their offense rather than their defense. But their defense is very, very good. Don't don't take it. Uh, don't, don't think it isn't. Sure. Sure. No, a- a- absolutely. Following your coaching career, which was absolutely fantastic. And I loved watching you on television, by the way. Probably one of my favorite analysts on, on the entire panel. And and, and, I, and I take nothing away from anybody else who had been there. Believe me, I don't. Uh, but but after 92, you decided to go into broadcasting, which predominantly is kind of how it kind of how it goes. I got fired. I didn't go into broadcasting. I got fired. I went to New Orleans. We stunk. And I got fired. I, I admit it. And then I was fortunate enough to get into TV, and it worked out great. But you know, that's all over. Where, where are we going with this? Because well, no, I was just I was just stating that you had done a fantastic job uh, working with guys like Jim Gray, your America's coach. I mean, there was just so many things you went on uh, to 
different different stations. You were on ESPN 1000 with Mark Silverman. I mean, you started at the bottom and worked your way to the top, and then in broadcast, there is no bottom. You're you were always there. You were okay, alive on okay, September 10th. Okay. I mean, you had such a colorful career, Coach. So that where it, we go? <laughs> Where we're going with the fact that, that, that guys like myself and others that are out there look at your career from at least a broadcasting standpoint, if that's what they're aspiring to be, and, and that's exactly who they look at, guys like you. Well, broadcasting was an opportunity that was great for me. I was fortunate to have it. It worked out for me, but uh, I'm not a broadcaster. I was a <laughs> Well, okay? you, you, you did a great job. Even though you're not okay. a broadcaster, you okay. did a great job. Wait, Wait, what's going on here? I got to go. <laughs> Thank you, Coach. I really appreciate uh, your time, and Merry Christmas to you. This interview with Mike Ditka, former head coach of the Chicago Bears and an absolutely fantastic guy, brought to you by Titanium Core Firm.